we on? Yo, yo, what up, Sushis? We're recording. Quarantine episode number three. Three. three? Wow. It's a new way of life for us. This is the first one in which our guest is practicing. This this ain't social distancing. This is, I don't know, What do you? what's the face mask thing? Uh, well, let's introduce our guest. We have a very special guest today, the leader of the Sandinista revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I'm the spick face killer, yo. <laughs> That's racist, sir. Today on the show, we have the Scranton Strangler. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to give you some ammo after uh, last week's IG Live, yo. I was trying to give you something. <laughs> <laughs> IG, Live, sure. IG Live been popping lately, bro. Yeah, it has. it has. You could tell we're on quarantine when a guy like me is doing IG Live, because I, I generally don't like talking to people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I'm yeah. on IG Live, the shit's just going down, bro. Like, aliens... <laughs> next week for sure you know what I mean? Dre, this Dre is some taught me Dre taught me what IG live was last week I just learned oh you yeah. didn't know that no like I was like he he was like oh we should go on IG live during this quarantine time and I'm like I immediately broke out in the sweat I was like what's IG live how do we do that should we schedule it how much lighting do we need you know <laughs> dude's hiring hair and makeup artist <laughs> wardrobe my man took it way too serious yeah, Yo, it's, it's Instagram, man. It's okay. I yeah. didn't know how it worked. <laughs> but if, no, I mean, if y'all haven't I'm noticed, sorry. we got a special guest sushi in the in the building. You know what I mean? A, a good friend of the show, good friend of mine, a frequent collaborator. We got the homie, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Garcia. Oh, Thank you for joining us. Second time on the show, right? Second or third? Yeah, sec sec second time, man. Happy to be back. Uh, wish it could be in person, but you know, strange times. So yeah, 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 yeah. Some remember when people remember when people person. used to hang out in person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what that's like. Now I'm just worried about which way to angle my camera so people don't see my house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I feel like I'm just like I don't want nobody seeing what's in my crib, so I just like angle towards the roof. <laughs> you, know, you, got rare, you got like rare tigers in there or some shit or what? Yeah. No, nah, I don't know. I, I just think my my objective is to have the most boring IG live possible. I feel like if I could do that, I've accomplished something. You know, so way to swim. I don't want to in there, pal. <laughs> hey, man, always the innovator. <laughs> <laughs> what you've been doing during this quarantine, which is the stupidest question in the world, because everybody's been doing the same exact shit, man. But uh, how you been handling it? I mean, it's cool. I mean, look, in general, I'm pretty antisocial you know, borderline an asshole with people that I don't even know. I don't want to get to know new human beings anyway. Um, so in general, it's cool. Um, I work from home as it is. So, and for the most part, when I'm not on set, you know, I work from home as it is. And, um, I've been just, you know, doing different kinds of exercises, I guess, just, you know, push ups, sit ups, working on a new script, um, learning how to cook better, you know, and, nice. um, you know, that, that part's been fun, learning how to cook better and, you know, just going through old footage and seeing if there's something in there that's usable or feasible. I mean, learning new trades and like diving deep more into social media and uh, and not from an angle of like I'm voyeuristically looking at social media. I'm like learning how to interact with it better, I guess, um, and use it as a tool for my business. Um, reading books, you know, staying staying busy. I mean... I do miss going outside. I do like being outdoors, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, but, you know, you got to respect the protocol. It is what it is. So. Yeah. 
the protocol and also like for me it's more about like consideration you know what i mean because like i'm not i'm not afraid of of whatever it is that they're trying to make us afraid of you know what i mean but it's more like consideration because i i go to my mom's house still you know my grandmother's in there i mean we ain't been we've been social distancing and shit but you know just in case just to keep just to keep it safe and shit you know Mm-hmm. So, so how does that work? Because like my mom and my dad, I haven't seen my mom in a month now, you know, or since it started, whenever it was, three weeks ago. Um, I mean, I've seen her, but I've like I've gone to deliver her stuff, but like I'll knock on the door, it's outside, and then I'll go because she lives in an apartment building, so I'll go downstairs and she'll look over the balcony at me. She won't, she doesn't want anybody in, which I understand. Um, but like that's one thing I miss. I, I'm Cuban. I see my mom every week, you know, mm-hmm. for lunch or dinner, and and like I'm not getting that right now, so. Ain't that some bizarre shit, man? Mm-hmm. Like, have you actually just sat down and just thought about that for a second, man? Like, you, you go visit your mom's house and you can't even, like, give her a hug and a kiss and shit. That's some bizarre-ass shit. Like, we're really living through some really bizarre times right now, man. That, you know that's crazy? been the toughest part. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please. Go ahead. Uh, I said, no, that's been the toughest part of it. You know, I was like... And not to, like, start this whole podcast on a somber note, but, like, just not being able to hug my mom. And like my mom lives by herself, so she's lonely. You know, I know she's lonely. Right. Yeah. So like that part sucks, and I can't really do much about it. But you know, you try to do shit like you know, you have Facetime dinner with your mom and shit, and you know, shit like that. That's cool. You know, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's kind of depressing. Though. You know who I feel for, man? Like single people right now. <laughs> like single people <laughs> right now, like no kind of vagina, man. That. But- <laughs> If you're single, now's the time to invest. You know what I mean? Like you start up conversations, like put in your time with a bunch of different girls, and then boom, it all pays off when the social distancing thing goes away. Sorry, I mean, like, look, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can still be hollering at chicks, I guess. Though, right now, I mean, not, like, everybody was on Tinder before this anyway. You know, like nobody really dates normally anymore. So I would imagine mm-hmm. dating's the same way. They just go on social media and slide up in DMs or something. You know. But the I don't know. I've been, for, the, for the Tinder communication to actually get somewhere, though, you know what I mean? Facts. Yeah. yeah. But you know what's crazy? Um, what I was gonna say is that. Okay, so people are now referring to the fact that Bill Gates, three, four, five years ago, whatever, made the TED talk where he was saying this was gonna happen, right? Pandemic was coming. Scientists have been saying this. We've heard this before it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had heard about this before. You know, we've seen contagion and outbreak and all that shit. So. Um, it's just weird that even though we kind of knew this was going to happen, we really didn't do anything towards it or to stop it. And then when it happened, we all adjusted so quickly. Like you said the other the other day, Dre, like we all just kind of like immediately were like, okay, stay home. We'll stay home. No problem. You know, like we'll do this. We'll wear gloves. We'll wear masks. And like it just kind of happened like, you know, like wildfire, like really quickly. I think like human beings are in general a, a following kind of species. Mm-hmm. So once they see, like, I knew it was going to fall in line when all the celebrities started saying, stay home, stay home, stay home. Mm-hmm. And all the celebrities were promoting staying home and IG living. And then all the celebrities were doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. That's when people fall in line. Like, you know, the president, and I'm not even saying it's Trump, Obama, anybody, human, at least Americans don't fall in line usually real quick with political people telling them what to do. But once, like, your favorite superstar is telling you this is bad for you, they're going to fall in line. And they did real quick. Yeah. Yeah. You know what made it real for me when they canceled the NBA? Because man, it's got it. It takes a lot to cancel the NBA. Like you got to think about the NBA is composed of what thirty-two different franchises, 
in different cities that are all run independently. So you're talking about like 32 businesses, basically, that are all under this one umbrella. You know what I mean? That that bring major income to these cities like an NBA franchise, you know, and maybe not. Maybe they don't make as big of a splash in Miami. But think about a city like Milwaukee. You know what I'm saying? That they've got the Milwaukee Bucks. Like that's a big percentage of of the income that's coming <laughs> in that city. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, yeah. for the NBA to like suspend the entire season, that's when I was like, oh, okay, this shit is real. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I told I told the same thing to my uh, my business partner Sherry when she was like, "Do you think we're really gonna like have to go into quarantine like China is?" I'm like, "Yo, they just canceled the NBA, homie. Like it's over." You know what I'm saying? Like you can write off everything right now because if they just canceled the NBA and then the MLB went next, I was like, "If those two things are done, it's a wrap. Like it, things aren't happening anymore." Because yeah. you know, they exhausted every possible option before they came up with like, "All right, we're gonna have to cancel this bitch." You know? Yeah, and then I knew it was going to be a while when they canceled the Olympics. I was like, holy shit. I was like, we're going to be in this for a long time. You cancel the Olympics? My guy. I'm like, yo, this is a woof. But, I mean, How long honestly, do you think we'll be in this? Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, a predictions kind of guy, but I could say, I would say minimum mid-June. Minimum? Minimum. You know, yeah. and uh, worst case, end of summer, maybe early fall, you know, straight through hurricane season. Who knows? You know? About hurricane season. Oh, yeah, nobody's thinking about that part, right? That shit's, like, right around the corner on me. <laughs> right. That shit's about to hit us for real. Did you see that meme that was, like, uh, you know, 2021? You know what I mean? Like, we just thought it couldn't get worse, and it's got, like, the, the fucking alien ship from... <laughs> from like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, man, like, what's, what's next, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I saw a great meme the other day. It was like, if I would have told you 10 years ago that Donald Trump, the reality TV show from Star from The Apprentice, was, and I told you this, was going to become the president, uh, he would start a Twitter war with Iran that almost set off World War III, uh, a pandemic was going to hit, and uh, Kobe Bryant would die in a helicopter crash, and all that would happen within 60 days, you would never believe me. And I was like, shit, that's super true like 10 years ago if you would have told me that i'm like get the fuck out of here you know what i'm saying but if six uh, months ago if somebody would have told me that i would have been like get the fuck out of here you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. straight up and it's hard to like realize what you're going through while you're in it you know what i mean i think we're gonna think back we're gonna look back if we make it as far <laughs> if we make it out of this we're gonna look at back we're gonna look back and be like damn we just lived through some shit you know what i mean yeah. that like i don't think people have the cognizance to to really know exactly what's going on until until it's over you know what I mean? Well, but, it's funny. Like, I'm a big history guy. So on your point, like, I was telling my mother, I was like, you know, you thought 9-11 was big. This is bigger than 9-11. Like, this shut down the whole planet. And they're going to be talking about the... Huh? It's not Sorry? even close. It's not even close. Um, no, no. This is one of the most historical things that will happen in world history. You know, like, the whole planet was forced to stop. And we're going to be talking about this for hundreds of years. You know, this is like Black Plague level. You know, like, it, it's going to... Not death-wise or casualty-wise, I'm saying, like, just the impact on history, it's going to be that level where it's like, yo, the whole earth had to stop. You right. know Pretty crazy. But could you imagine doing this in the 90s with no technology? Wow. Blockbuster stock would have gone through the roof. True. If you could get to Blockbuster. If you could get to Blockbuster, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think what happened in the 90s for example was an aids outbreak but it wasn't like this because it wasn't like airborne and it wasn't you know even through just simple contact this is something different you know but um i think they learned from that outbreak and i think they really jumped on this one like the way that it should be handled but it's 
it's not easy to quarantine, you know, a whole nation or a whole world, really. Like you said, it's worldwide. And, yeah, and I mean, look, one thing, I, like, obviously, um, you're a movie guy, right? And that's that's a big part of the reason why we wanted to to get you on the show today, well, aside from the fact that that we love you, man. You know, um, <laughs> but how, how do you think this is going to affect that industry? I think the look, I think the industry was already shifting as it was. You know, I think studios are starting to figure out that on demand is a real viable model and OTT networks. OTT, for those who don't know, is like Netflix or Amazon, right. um, you know, HBO Now, whatever those those on demand services that you get streaming, that's gonna be a very big model. And I think I don't think when people walk out, they're going to be like, let's go. Like, after they say the all clear, I don't think like, oh, all clear Sunday, Monday, let's all go to the movies and just rejoice. That's not going to happen. You know, there's no way that happens. I mean, would you want to be the guy after seven months being told that the air is not fit to breathe to be the first guy to walk out and test it? Like, you're not going to be that way. You know, right. also, I feel like people become institutionalized in jail, let alone in their own homes where they're going to become accustomed to staying inside. So it's going to be a while before people go out. And I think studios are going to find different avenues to, um, to pitch and project movies at you, you know? And I think content's gonna become shorter because mm -hmm. people's attention spans are already shorter as it is. Yeah. Um, Quibi. I feel, yeah, yeah, like Quibi, exactly. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, what would you rather do? Would you rather go see a new rom-com or drama for $100 with you and your wife, or would you rather pay eighteen ninety five and have it for 24 hours? You know, here's, a, and, and, here's, here's a little yeah. count to that though are things going to become shorter because shorter like the, like shorter content is for the mobile area uh, for the mobile era right but what happens when we're not mobile anymore now we have time to be home and watch fucking three hour movies you know what I mean well, so you, actually you, become longer. but your, your question was poised what, what do you think happens when we be the street after this mm -hmm. you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying so it's like after this like Quibi, I think, is a model that worked. I've been talking about a model like that forever, where it's like 10-minute short-form content, uh, where it's like you're getting a whole TV show, but it's 10 minutes long. And that's every episode is 10 minutes. And then at the end, you package it all back together and you make a whole feature out of it. You know, right. that, that was a model that I've spoken about five years ago. That's exactly what Quibi's doing. Because after two years of their streaming their server, after streaming the show, they have the option to take that show and pitch it into a movie and package it up and then rebrand re it as a feature film. Hmm. So... People move around a lot. People travel a lot. I know I travel a lot, so I'll be in an airport sitting there. I, I don't want to just go watch uh, a cat video on YouTube or whatever it is. I'm going to want to watch a show that I'm interested in. The only reason why I think Quibi has a shot is the people behind it. I mean, they have a Spielberg show, like Greenlit on Quibi. They have a Kevin Hart show. Like, they have these are big dogs coming in to make content for them. Antoine Fuqua has a show coming out on Quibi. So yeah. you look at that, and you're like, okay, that's cool. Um, and yeah, I like... I, I feel what you're saying, too, though. Like, but what's the one thing? Look, one of the best movies this year to me was The Irishman, right? But what's the one thing everybody tells you? God, it was so long to get this. So long, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's, you know, you're talking about a people that had the option to leave the house and go wherever they want. You see but you, you've been home, and have you not been on your phone? I mean, you're still, even though we're not, quote-unquote, mobile, we're still on our mobiles, I would say, because we're so ingrained into that, you know? True, true. Yeah, uh, honestly, I, I'm trying not to, though, man. Like, I'm, I'm really trying to stay away as much as possible from social. I mean, the first week and a half, yeah, I did everybody was doing. I was posting memes and, you know, funny content. I would repost it. and But, but like, 
man, I just found myself getting stupider by the second. So like, I just wanted to like not do that for a while. So I came up with a, an idea for a script and I started writing a new screenplay to mentally take myself into another world that wasn't like this right now. You know, because one thing I hate right now is turning on the news and all I hear is coronavirus. I get on Instagram, coronavirus. My my news updates that populate on my, now I'm a big news guy, so all the news updates populate all the time. And it's like, coronavirus death, coronavirus death, this guy's hot That guy's like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I just can't escape it. So I'm trying to escape it being creative right now. That's what I'm trying to do. So what's yeah. the script about? Coronavirus? Just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually an action comedy. I mean, I don't want to get too much away about giving the genre. It's an action comedy. Yeah. So, how do you know? No, I mean, Drake. I. I oh. <laughs> Drake sold me out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny, man? Like, um, speaking on how quickly we get conditioned to shit, right? Like, I was watching a movie today, and the dudes shook hands in the movie, and the first thing I thought was, oh, shit, they better be careful. You know, <laughs> they're mm -hmm. not practicing social distancing. That's it. And we've only been home for fucking three weeks, man. But yeah, that was yeah. my point. That's two things, actually. Number one is how quickly we get conditioned to things, right? And then number two, Mike, you said you don't think people are going to go right back out, right? But look how yeah. quickly we went inside. You know, maybe the, as soon as they tell us, the same celebrities that told us stay inside are going to tell us go out and spend money. You know, it's very possible everyone will run outside too, you know? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Like, you, you could be right. It's unprecedented what's going on, so no one really knows the answers. But I just think it's, it's what Dre said stuck in my mind about how quickly we adapted to this, you know? And, like, how, yeah. like, we just immediately were like, okay, new way of life, no problem, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, too fair okay. Enough. I don't know. I, fair, I didn't mean to cut you short, Dre. I'm sorry. No, um, but, yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Like, people might just walk right back out the door and be like, cool, that's it. No more masks. Bye. Mask off, you know, and go play, you know. But, you know, you know, worst case scenario is, like, they say, okay, early June, we're good. Great. We get out. And then in fall, it comes back. And then you're like, oh, shit. You know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> now you got to go back in, you know. Yeah. And I have a feeling the conspiracy theorist in me is like, yo, we got to bring money into this economy. So let people go out for a couple months. It's low chances True. right now. and it comes back bring it back inside you know but we got to get the economy ready. i don't know i was about to say like that's one of my fears or yeah out of the many fears is that not a lot of people are understanding the effects this is going to have on the economy long term like the economy has never stopped like this it's never been to a point where like the whole world economy just came to a halt and we've had recessions and depressions without this happening so this is definitely going to have a long term i mean there has to be a long term effect businesses are closing down there's nobody making money right now. So I think this is going to be a recession for like we've never seen possibly a depression. I don't think a lot of people understand that yet. I myself am trying to position myself as well as I can to get ready for that. And like, you know, cutting all my costs down, like switching my car insurance, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like just trying to get ready. But it's coming. Uh, I think honestly, like the one thing I've been telling people for the last two, three years um, is to save 20% of their income no matter what it is. You know, if you get five bucks, put a dollar in a savings account, put it in a freaking shoebox, put it five dollars away. And a couple of people listened to me and actually gave me a phone call recently and said, thank you because of what you taught me now. I and th what I'm telling you is not like, you know, the secret or some shit. It's just like smart thinking because we get caught up trying to floss, especially in the United States. Everybody wants to floss. Everybody wants to dope us Jordans. But how many Jordans do you actually need? How many yeah. of this do you actually need? And now people with no money saved and no money in the bank are really going to feel this hard. They're going to really feel this shit really bad. You know, yeah. and that's a lot of people. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like I maybe people now actually fig- figure out fiscal responsibility mm-hmm. of like, and I don't want to make this podcast like boring. You know, talking about money and shit, but like people should save their money. You know, what I'm saying like save your well, bread. You don't need everything. You know. Yeah. 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 I agree. Gonna, or invest it or a lot of things. I think during or this invest it in in a Michael Garcia film. Facts. I'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> you but I'll make it back for you. And any actors to like that are willing to go outside and shoot, you know, yeah. forget writing love scenes, forget about that. Yo, I told I told Dre because we work together in a writer director capacity all the time to write me a script that I could shoot by myself, a short film of me in my house during quarantine, and I would literally do whatever he wanted, minus a couple of things because I know he's a sick motherfucker. But uh, <laughs> but. Uh-huh. But if, if he had something that I could do, like, you know, I don't know, create a character out of Wilson, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Castaway. Right. But think of a quarantine boring ass short. If you want to get creative, and I'll just shoot it on my little Fuji camera on natural light, and we'll just make something, you know, make it a silent film. I don't care. You know, but... a, a sex doll. You start talking to a sex doll. <laughs> yeah, actually, some, some label actually posted, uh, gave me a video to write on, and they were like, look, we need this artist to be home in his house and, uh, I don't know what to do with them, and da 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 da. And you know, it's a love song, and I was like, cool. And then I, I literally said, like, yo, why is he just in love with a blow up doll? And mm. call, the column was dropped. I think I lost the client, <laughs> but like, I was serious. <laughs> I was good. I like it. <laughs> Creative. Yeah. yeah. So this is actually kind of fun for me, kind of episode, because um, speaking of you guys working together, I have like the fun privilege today of like kind of grilling the two of you, Dre, I'm going to put you in the interviewee seat okay. uh, to, to discuss sophism. All right. Which uh, is the latest short movie that you guys did together um, and is, you know, already entered in festivals, which I got to ask you about, like, what's the deal with that? And um, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about the project and what it was like working together? Take it away, Mike. Oh, I go first. Shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, Sophism is a dark comedy, which Dre's really good at, um, about a husband and a wife basically lying to each other and the indiscretions that happen within a relationship and how people think they're super slick and try to cover it up and how everything on the surface isn't exactly what it always seems to be, you know? Um, (laughs) and, uh, and, you know, we had, uh, two very talented people, two that you've had on your show, Catalina Viteri and uh, Ivan Nadal play our husband and wife. Um, it was funny how that cast even came together. Um, I, I guess we could say about it now, but I'm not going to say who the original cast was supposed to be. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe funny's not the word, but but definitely like uh, weird and serendipity. kind of faded. Yeah. Well, it was it was off putting. So we Shadi had two people in mind um, who had a family crisis. That's the best way to put it. That they were first attached. And they were a real husband and wife couple, and then uh, death in the family occurred, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and they couldn't do it, you know. And then he called me kind of like, yo, and he never calls me like after like eight o'clock. And he calls me like at 11, like, yo, mm-hmm. we got a problem. You know, we're like two weeks out from shooting. And I had remember Catalina had just hit me and was like, yo, uh, I'm in town. If you got any shorts coming up, let me know. And right there, I was like, oh, perfect. You know, right. so I called Catalina, which was the golden move because she killed it she did amazing ivan, yeah and then if you watch the short dre's in it and ivan was originally supposed to play dre but i knew ivan wanted a lead role um 
And a lot of people told me I was actually nuts for giving him that chance because he's never really had like, major speaking lines before. Mm -hmm. um, but something in me told me that he had the will to learn and, and the attitude and the foresight to like take it really serious. So I called him and I said, yo, man, like we had this death in the family. Would you like, it was a crazy call. And we, you know, the person had a death in the family. Would you like to part? And he was like, yes, fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not the death in the family, but yes, I want to part. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. It's <laughs> so, an awkward situation. No, it was yeah. a super awkward situation, and I felt I really feel bad for those people. But well, no, but that's how excited he was that he forgot his old like decorum and social demeanor. He was just like, yeah. awesome. And, and, and you like, know, I respect to them because they they've been very supportive of the whole process ever since. You know, mm -hmm. but it, of course, you know, hopefully we got, I'm gonna work with them on another one, man. But you know, it, it, that that movie kind of just like really fell together like that. You know, it was like it was like one hiccup, one hiccup, one hiccup led us to this cast. You know, and that's how we got there. Yeah. And notice, like, the only person that didn't tell you were crazy for thinking about Ivan was me. Because writing in writing the character, I just knew that Ivan could play that douchebag guy. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen him, like, fuck around and, and just act like that guy anyway. So I just felt like he had it in him to play that character. And I kind of, like, never doubted the fact that he could do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I had my own doubts about Ivan. Like, after I did it and I gave him the role, I literally called Dre and I was like, man, you sure I made the right decision? He was like, champ, I'm telling you, you're fine. And I was like, okay. And then, like, yo, he did a great job, man. He really did. And he learned all his lines and he came through and he was calling me at one in the morning excited. I was giving him little movies to watch uh, as inspiration. And he was watching every film. And you know, he, we had a great time, man. He did a good job. He, he was supposed to be on this episode. And he got caught up and, and couldn't do it. But there's there's one particular uh, story of like after the first day of shooting. I know you already know what I'm talking about. So you were riding you were riding him hard that first day. You know what I'm saying? Like you were you were on his ass. I seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, after every take and shit, you you were like trying to get the best out of him. You know what I mean? But like <laughs> it was tough love. It was definitely tough love. You know? Um, but you know, he came out a better actor because of it. But but there was like a moment, <laughs> it was a moment like towards the end of the day where I saw that he wasn't laughing at the type of shit he usually laughs at. He wasn't like his jovial self. You know Ivan. What I mean? Ivan. Yeah. This yeah. was at like right towards the end of the first day of shooting. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, Mike calls a rap on the day and fucking we're all on our way home. And I was like, let me call this guy, bro. So I call Ivan up. You know, I was like, yo. You good? And my man just goes like on a 30 minute rant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Just because I'm a first timer, you don't got to talk to me like that. But like, you know, mm. I heard him out. And then I did what I usually do with you and I, Renee. Like, I literally. <laughs> you did with Mike. Ledge. Yeah, like I talked him off the ledge. And right. shit. Why, why does this always fall on me? I'm always talking people off the ledge of shit, man. You should have been um, a grief counselor or some shit. <laughs> but but bro, I like I like made a deal with him and I know he'll he'll fucking confirm this. I was like, listen, man, just I understand your frustration, right? But like tomorrow, just go on set and try doing it this way. And and when I mean doing it this way, it had nothing to do with his acting, it's just like more his approach. You know what I mean? I was like I, I told him, I was like, because Ivan's a real friendly guy. And Ivan gets somewhere, he makes friends with everybody in the room, right? But I was like, you got to remember that in on, in this capacity, you're one of the actors. You're the talent. You know what I mean? You can't be fucking around with the crew in between takes. 
Like the director doesn't want to see that. You know what I'm saying? He wants to see that you're focused, that you're honed in and shit like that. So I was like, yo, just show up the next day and try it that way. Just try it, you know? And bro, sure enough, he shows up the next day. I was, uh, my scene was like a little later. So I even got there way before me. Mike calls me halfway through the day when I'm about to head out. He's like, yo, Ivan's kind of killing it today. And he's like being super chill. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying it fucking worked, man. But you was know, he's just- part of the issue. Mike, uh? was that part of the issue that you were giving him tough love for? Because he was just kind of distracting your guys or like what was going on? Uh, uh, I mean, now that Dre brought it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, listen, I mean, look, honestly, honestly, look, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to front like I'm I'm uh, I'm a good director to work for as long as you take your shit serious. And if you're not going to take your shit serious. I'm not going to take you serious and I'm not going to give you the respect you deserve. And my re- I've been on a countless sets and I work my ass off to get there. And if I'm doing a job that I'm not getting paid for or I'm spending my own money on, I just, and you want to be there, like you're there to work with me, not against me. And I, I also feel like he has never had a role that large. You know, it's a 10 minute short, but it's still a lot. It, it really resided on half of 50% of it. I'm talking. Sure. And the one thing that, an inexperienced actor versus an experienced actor would know, uh, I'm sorry, uh, an experienced actor versus an inexperienced actor would know is you don't break character, bro. You know, so it's like, and I'm not talking like you have to method act and you have to be Ron Burgundy for a month. No, but, you know, when you're giving dialogue to somebody, you're not just saying these words. You're in a world where this person is responding to you and you have to react accordingly. Mm-hmm. And if you come out and I say cut, because, you know, you're eating too much or I didn't like your body language at that point. I'm trying to correct you. And you start cracking jokes, you've already left character. And now I have to drag you back in. Gotcha. You know, so imagine I have to do a wide, a medium, a close, a left angle, a high angle, low angle, Dutch angles, whatever I'm doing. It's six angles and I'm doing the scene over and over and over ten times. And every time I call cut, you just break character, run off, and you start talking and joking around. If I had you in a certain rhythm at that point, you just broke that rhythm and now I got to wind you back up into that rhythm again. And it costs time, you know, time yeah. is money, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was a little frustrating and, and I was tough on him, but you know, at the end he thanked me, you know, yeah. I think he figured out like being on film is, is it's real. Like, you know, we all come from a place where we all grew up each other, with each other and we all known each other for 20 years. So we all come from a very joking, loving environment, but I'm not trying to do this to make my film that I can show in my crib for my two friends. You know, like right. I'm trying to, launch, I'm trying to launch careers, so I have to treat it that way. I would imagine, like him breaking like that, like not to just you know ride this, but would kind of mess with the continuity too of the scene. You know, right? Like if there was a certain flow, like you said, to the scene, if he breaks and then comes back, he might not be in that same tone or whatever, you know, energy or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like there was points where like he had a nervous take and, and I think it was because I was writing him so hard and my own fault, you know, that I was writing, I, lo- I wasn't yelling at him. I never disrespected him. It was just like, yo, you know, get back over here. Stop joking around with this guy. Move over here. Stop talking here. But he had a nervous tick where he would, you know, the whole scene happens over breakfast. So he kept eating between each word mm. or each sentence. He would just start eating. But the problem is, you know, your hands are going all over the place when you're doing that. So if I don't, if you start eating eggs with your right hand and then you grab beer with your left hand, but you're saying the same line. I just have a different angle. Nothing matches. Right. Know? So uh, another big thing was like, keep your hands down, you know, and just, and, but you know what? That's the working problem. I don't know what man. to do that's, with my hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's, that's the, that's the, 
that's that's what the work is and and he put in the work and he he jumped into a, a an ocean filled with sharks and he swam and he did a good job man. you know sometimes you just got to throw a kid in the pool and let him swim and that's what he did you know so i was gonna say um you know one of my favorite scenes was his uh that scene towards the end without giving anything away but you know that i think you guys know the scene that i'm talking about where he's just looking like a little bit clammy or whatever that scene was amazing you know like were you there when you did that, Joy? Uh, yes, I was there for that for that almost that entire scene. Yeah, that was the aha moment for me. It was that mm -hmm. scene because that scene was filmed day one, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know how to talk about this scene without like giving it up. But um, but yeah, when he delivered that line at the end, I literally and you know it's it's funny like sometimes actors' best moments come from saying nothing. You mm -hmm. know, so it was just like the way he just looked at that camera. I basically threw my pen up in the air and I was like, I got the tape. I got it. There it is. Boom. You know, and, and I initially wasn't going to show his reaction to what he was doing at that point. Mm -hmm. And that moment is when I found the faith in him that he could pull off the role. You know, the first half of the day I was questioning, did I make a mistake? And then we got into a rhythm. And when he hit that mark, he had it. There was, there was no arguing after that, you know, nice. and, and he did a great job, man. He honestly, the, the final product is all I give a fuck about. You know, yeah, there's always bumps in the road on every job. And I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I haven't made some mistakes. But sure. who cares? I mean, the, the end product was awesome. We all came together. We gelled together like a team. And we, we toughed it out. And the film did great. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and even bringing this up is not at all to disparage Ivan in any way. It's actually quite a compliment. Impressive. Yeah, it's quite impressive that, like, being as inexperienced as far as, like, having a leading role, you know, and seeing the final product. Because, look, man, it's impressive that his best scene is one where he didn't have any dialogue, mm -hmm. you know, like his acting carried that scene, you know, yeah. and it's, it's beautiful, actually, like Catalina is actually delivering, delivering the words and the camera's on Ivan the whole time, you know, and it really, mm -hmm. it's like one of those moments that really gives you an opportunity to showcase your acting. He was yeah. incredibly impressive, I thought, in that movie, man. No, he was, man, and shout out to Catalina, too. I mean, she was, mm -hmm. a, a, not to take nothing from her, because she oh, would yeah. hit little lines with her her. yeah i was gonna get to her next yeah yeah oh uh, yeah no her little delivery of her lines and innuendos and what she added to the table was like you know she brought a she brought a stefford wife character to the role that i don't think me and dre even considered um yeah. at least i know i didn't consider it as a stefford wife i just no. considered it like yeah and she wanted to do that and it was totally the right call and she like she brought a lot of things to the table as well i'll let you talk about it Drake. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean it's a, it's one of those things where within seconds you know that you're you know you're watching a, a really really talented actor, you know, when you when you watch her. It's it's very apparent. I'm sure for you Mike like cutting her together, you know, I'm sure that she she's always she's aware of where the camera is. She's aware of where directors are going to cut certain things, you know what I mean? Like she's a true true professional. Um and you can see it. You can see it on set. You can see it like we said in between the takes. That's like where some of the most important stuff happens, and she's fucking laser focused, man. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. it's impressive, man. It's a, it's something to watch. So for yeah, me, she, she was hitting beat after beat after beat every single time, the exact same way. She was taking notes on her script, like she didn't want a script; she wanted her script because her script had all these notes written. And I was like, "Yo, she's coming in." And she came ready to work. Yeah. Right? For me, she had the best scene in the movie and my favorite shot scene also, Mike, which is probably a really simple scene or I don't know, maybe, I mean, uh, it seems simple, at least on the outside, but the scene where she's at the, the, 
dining table delivering the monologue and it's like a slow zoom out. Uh, I don't know exactly what that effect is, but it just looks so cool. And the way she's delivering the line in that moment, I, that was my favorite scene of the whole the whole short. Which is the last line, right? Yeah. yeah the yeah, last yeah. line. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that's called a dolly out. We just dollied out. Um, yeah. We starting close and pulled out. Yeah. yeah it just was really pretty shot and the way she kind of like her eyes were cutting through the camera you know the whole thing really is really good i was gonna ask you uh dre what did it feel like playing a guy named fathead <laughs> yeah i didn't write it for me obviously you know <laughs> I, I don't have a fat head but maybe it's like an ironic joke that his friends get. <laughs> but no, uh, it was funny man acting was, was definitely a, a different experience for me i mean i've been in front of the camera a lot because of like doing music videos and stuff but like actually having to act and that line that i say is actually an improv like right, i think we right. had to throw out for some reason like something changed in the script and we had to throw out the lines that that were in the script right yeah because it was supposed to be two girls that show up not one. Oh right and, uh, and yeah. only one was coming and so we, we started improving a little bit. And also that scene in the motel where you'll see Ivan drunk. Um, like, he really, really did a good job with that scene. Yeah. He also really, really got drunk. So, <laughs> yeah. So I basically, I, I hedged my bets with him, right? So, you know, you start reading people when you're on set. And I was like, okay, Ivan's doing a really, really good job. And I know he keeps, like, he, I, I know Ivan. He likes to party. He likes to drink. It's cool. You know, so I'm like... Okay, does he do this better drunk or does he do this better sober? And I'm like, screw it. I'm going to just let him go. You know, he was doing a really good job. So I was like, have a drink of Jameson. Have a drink of Jameson. Have another drink of Jameson. And <laughs> then it got a little scary because at that point I was like, oh, fuck. Now he, no he's at that, he's at that borderline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gave huh? him one too many. You gave him one too many. Yeah. Look in his eye. Yeah, so oh man, it was crazy, dude. And I was like, shit. And I was like, now I gotta control him because we're we still have this whole scene to shoot. And he's hammered, but yeah, he killed it. He he kept it together really well, man. You know? So yeah. all that scene, by the way, was improv. Like all that whole dancing scene that you'll see to anybody who watches the short, uh, the whole dancing scene is all improv. Like I basically came together with Dre and I said, I think he needs to have a moment where he can riff. Dre agreed with me. Um because in the motel originally they just had dialogue and then there was the scene of the damn it we it's hard to talk about the show without giving it away yeah the motel uh, was was completely different in the script it was completely different yeah. the same scenario happened but the scene was completely different yeah and i just felt like i didn't deserve because catalina was gonna have that and catalina had a riff moment too which is the scream when she screams in the car uh those were my two moments. I was like, let them just go off script and like, let's just try this. If it doesn't work, we don't need it because we're going to shoot the script verbatim anyway. Uh, but it ended up working out. You know? But Ivan blew me away with that scene in the motel. Like, he really fucking killed it. You know? so. That scene, what it brings to mind for me is the music in the short. Um, you know, besides Ivan killing it with the dancing and the whole way it was shot, it kind of brings to, to light the music and how you used the music throughout um, the different parts of the, of the movie. Uh, which I thought was re done really well, like the opening scene, for example, how the kind of music the music cuts out as soon as he walks through the door, you know, and it kind of gives you that instinct, like that feeling of oh, he's inside now. Uh, but it's just little things like that that I thought were done really, really well. Um, how did you guys decide on the music? Like, was it collaborative, or Mike? Did you pick the music, or what? How was that? That's all, Mike. Uh, yeah, that was all me. Yeah, um, I was gonna give you the the, the end there, Dre, but cool. Uh, it was all. It was all <laughs> I mean, look, uh, to be fair, you used one of my songs, so, you know, I was involved yeah, in some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, so, so 
Dre, Dre's worked with me on films before. He knows how I get that. Like, I'm really big into music, and I have an eclectic taste in music. And I always try to throw local artists as well as known artists in my films, you know, to give everybody shine. Um, so the two, the song at the beginning and the song at the end is uh, Jason and the Beholders, which is a local group. Uh, Jason used to be, Jason Joshua and the Beholders, excuse me. And Jason used to be the lead singer of a group that I loved named Catchy Shuby, who was actually in my last short as well. And uh, so... I just love the way Jason does this. He has this really blues, bluesy kind of modern feel with retro, and he's got a great voice. And I just felt like he had this '50s aesthetic, and I always view Stepford Wise with like a '50s mind frame. Mm-hmm. So when I saw Catalina cooking and doing all this stuff, I just wanted that feel in the beginning. Uh, Jason knocked that out um, with NWA. I'd rather fuck you in the motel. Like mm-hmm. you see the scene. Bold choice. I mean, we had yeah. debate. we had a lot of we, uh, conversation on that one. That was like a we really had to think about that one because you wanted to have the song we do playing on the day, mm-hmm. and you had a couple different songs in in that rotation. You literally decided on the spot to use. Yeah, I had, track. I had. Yeah, I had options that I was uh, going to clear from different record labels, and I was giving Dre options from really large artists, and. Man, I just I just kept going. That was my initial. Remember, that was my initial pick was NWA. I'd rather fuck you. When I read the script, I was just I kept hearing that song in that motel playing, and then I don't think even Dre was on board with that record just yet until he saw Ivan dance to it, and then he was like, "Yeah, it's got to be that." You know, it, it is what it is. Um, Portishead. I mean, if you know me, I'm a huge Portishead fan, and that was easy for me to pick. Um, and I, I just have a big music background, and I just love like one thing I love about Tarantino films is the music choices that he makes. You know, yeah. and same thing with Scorsese. Scorsese's music supervisor deserves a freaking award. Like that guy's whoever his music supervisor is, hats off to him. Amazing. Uh, yeah, ever since Main Streets too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one and, thing uh, that Artie has carried over his whole career. Music choices. Yeah, dude. I mean, if you think about Scorsese, I mean, he's like seventy-five still up into a young audience. You know, like like he's dope, dude. Yeah. But what music and and film work best? when they're in, in collaboration with each other right you know people listen to music and their emotions change people watch film and their emotions change but if you have the right song with the right scene it's game over bro. lightning in a bottle it. yeah mm-hmm. and i thought and i thought you were able to capture that a few times during the short you know so that's why i thought it was really good selection definitely uh, right. which is i mean even once is difficult so a couple of times is definitely great you know um mm-hmm. And then, Dre, I was going to ask you, like, it, you wrote this, right? So within this, there's a lot of very sensitive topics, right? But the way you kind of wrote it and the way that Michael directed was kind of like, you guys touch on the topics, right? But you don't go deep into anything. But there is some really sensitive, like, uh, topical stuff in there, you know? I don't want to give anything away, but how do you manage to say to yourself, okay, like, I'm going to write this extremely sensitive scene but then it's also going to have humor it's also going to have you know other things in it that kind of in a way could be viewed as like oh we're making light of this subject you know right and and i did always have that in mind but that that's why it was like imperative for me to even if you're making like comedy out of a certain scene right you can't treat the subject matter itself lightly so so if some fucked up thing was happening in that scene, you better be sure that that person got their retribution. And I had to make sure of that, you know, so I always kept that in mind. And for, for that reason, in my opinion, it doesn't feel like 
disrespectful or insensitive or anything like that. It's like we're dealing with certain taboo things because those things are part of reality. It's real. It's not, you know, it, this is not some contrivance that I'm making up. So, yeah, I just always treated it with respect. But bro, I'm the kind of guy that you can find humor in the worst situations. You know what I mean? Like, look at this COVID-19 thing. Not to bring it back to that, but like, it's true. What's the first thing that happened? A bunch of memes came out, you know? Yeah. And I think people, I give people credit when it comes to that. You know, like in my writing, I make an effort not to try to uh, spoon feed the audience. I, mm -hmm. I always keep that in the on the top of my mind because it's like I want to respect my audience and I want to feel like, you know, I would expect that as myself, uh, of myself as a, as a viewer. You know what I mean? So I'm going to do the same. I'm going to give them the same courtesy. So I try not to talk down to people when I'm when I'm writing shit. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Like you want them to arrive at their own conclusions kind of thing. Yeah. And I trust that they can, you know. And um, how did it feel? Because I know you had to trust. So I've worked with Dre before. Mike, you've worked with Dre. Um, I feel like you and I have had very different experiences working with Dre before. I know. I know for sure. That means. <laughs> I mean, he trusts you. Um, yeah. but, all I'm trying to say is, um, so I know that Dre is very particular about the way he does things, you know, because he's uh, kind of has a vision for things, you know. Um, you know, he obviously trusts you very much with everything. Do you feel like you captured his words? Like, because I personally feel like, for example, that motel scene was almost like if Dre had shot it himself type of thing. Like, it's, you know, it's almost like I can relate the two, the your visual and his brain kind of thing and say, because I've known him for so long, like, that's exactly what Dre was thinking, you know? Um, do you feel like, you know, you did uh, an adequate job capturing what he wrote. Yeah, I do. Because if not, he would have told me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he's, a fucking, he's an asshole, and that's why I fuck with him. I'm an asshole, too. Um, okay, nah, see, I, I didn't want to say it like that, but yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, look, if, um, if me and Dre made a podcast, it'd be the most boring podcast ever, because we agree on damn near almost everything when it comes to film, right? Yeah. I like inappropriate humor. He likes inappropriate humor. Um, uh, I, I trusted him with the script in general. Like I begged him for that script actually in the beginning, about two years ago when I first, people don't know the script was written, what, 2015, 2016, something like that? 16, 2017, yeah. around that yeah. time. Yeah. And I, and I was like, every year I would just check in. I'm like, yo, I'm going to, I want to do that short. And he'd be like, man, I don't know. I think I'm going to do it myself. All right, cool. And then another year passed. He didn't do it yet. So I'm like, yo, what's up with that short? And I would just be like. I'm real methodical like that. I'll let you just breathe for a while. But I was like, yo, man, what's up? And then look at that short, man. Yeah, you know? <laughs> The slow game. And I, yeah, and then, you know, because he's always working on a new script. So I'm like, yo, what's up, man? Pass my shit off. And at one point, I think he just got, fuck it, I was just sitting on my laptop, take it. You know, so that's what I wanted to get him to. Like, give me that shit. But even, just so you know, just because me and Dre are very close and we're good friends and we work together, he was calling me like two days before, like, Yo, champ, uh, not trying to let you tell you how to do your shit, but like, you know, just when she says this line, I think you should just like hold it, you know, right. just a little bit, let the camera breathe. I'm like, and I'm really on the phone, like, <laughs> really, bro? really, yeah, like, word, word. Cool. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, because you know, in the last short, there was a couple fuck ups, and I'm like, all right, cool. That was three years ago, Dre. What's up? Like, can, can you <laughs> let, let, the, let the guy live? You know what I'm saying? Like, I really all right, say I trust you, bro. 
I, I trust you, bro. I trust you. It's cool, man. Adore. I, I fuck with you, man. I just wanted to let you know that I was thinking about that. I was like, cool, man. <laughs> Like, all right, yeah, so I could feel it. I could feel it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, no, but then, I, uh, but I, but like to your point, um, we we have a lot of not only the same taste in humor, but uh, or the same taste in uh, movies, but the same kind of sense of humor too. You know what I mean? So like it's 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 not a stretch for Mike to be able to adapt one of my scripts. You know what I mean? Because we're kind of already on that same mindset, right? There, and that there was a me- couple things. There was a couple of things just so you know, the script was originally set in a park. And like I told Dre, let me set it to a house. You know, and then there was, there was a couple of things that we worked together on to make the script even doable. Yeah. You know? So, and, and that, that was basically, so we work together really well like that. We take each other's advice, opinions. Um, we have educated arguments with each other sometimes about what we think is good and what we think is bad and, and other people's work and as far as our own. You know, mm-hmm. so that, that kind of relationship can't fail because it's not like he's sitting there stroking my back like, oh, Mike, you're the GOAT. And I'm not t- stroking his back like, Dre, this script is so awesome. It's like, no, how do we make this shit the fucking best movie it could possibly be? Let's come together and figure it out as a team. Yeah, and there's no ego behind it, which is funny because, like, you know, we used to be kind of rival rappers in a way. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's like something we never really touched on in the last podcast. But, like, you know, and not only ri- – not just rivals, right? It's not, it's not just about that, but it's like two, we were two cats trying to make it from the same area in Miami. So even if we don't consider ourselves uh, rivals, other people are going to do it for us, right? And and hip hop is the kind of it's it's an art form that's not really a collaborative art form uh, because you could literally just do an album sitting in your fucking in your bedroom. So it's it's got a competitive nature to it, right? And so it's funny all these years later to come together and be in such a collaborative uh you know, kind of like artistic relationship and shit, because it's like one can't go without the other. You need the script, you need the direction. You know, it's, yeah, it's funny, man, to to have ended up like that. You know, yeah. So you want to battle? Do this right now. I got the cards. <laughs> I'll moderate this. Nineteen ninety-eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Andre, like, what was it like? You know, you you kind of handed your baby over. You know, you trust Mike. He makes, you know, he challenges you. He makes the best possible film. He gives it back to you. Mm-hmm. And now you're at the first screening. Like, first of all, do you get it? Do you watch it on your mobile because you're so excited? Or do you set yourself up with some popcorn, kind of dim the lights, and then watch the first screening? Like, how was that process? The the cool thing about working with Mike is, like, he doesn't have to let the writer on onto the set. I mean, I was, a, I was an actor. I found myself on the set anyway, you know what I mean? But he doesn't, I mean, you did the same thing with siblings and shit. Like, I was on the set every day. And, and you know, once I'm on set, I'm very respectful of, like, I don't interject. Mike does his thing. I can see that he knows what the fuck he's doing. I stay out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's like the kind of the situation where, like, he gives me the the peak inside and he knows that i also want to direct eventually you know what i mean so like it's 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 a cool relationship and shit because i get to see how it's done i get to see how the bread is made and shit like that so bro let me tell you uh screening this movie in front of people and shit like i treat this movie as if it were my own you know that's because like mike allows me to be part of the the creative process but like when i show it to people i'm like yeah, check out my movie. Like I have, I have a certain ownership of it too because I'm that proud of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is yours. You wrote it. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. we own it together. I made it. You own it. And I mean, you wrote it. I I directed it. So it's like one. 
Oh, just like if I'm Scorsese, he's Terrence Winter. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's like uh, it's one of those things where it's like Paul Schrader, sir. Oh, fine. <laughs> Paul Schrader. Sorry, my bad. Nerds. But either, the reason why. Uh, he's like, who are these people? Yeah. I mean, the reason why I I invite the writer to my set is because he wrote it. So. I, while I have a, I have to walk on set knowing who every character is, like the back of my hand. He's gonna know them one step further than me. He made them up. This is his world, you know. Mm-hmm. And one thing I never want is a moment where my writer walks out of my film going, "This is fucking garbage. You fuck my shit up," you know. Because I don't care how much money you have, or how much money you're making on a film. I'm an artist at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and as long as I have my lights on, a roof over my head, and my my wife and my kid are safe, I'm cool. You know what I mean? But right. the one thing I cannot handle that will keep me up at night is my equal looking at me going, you fucked it all up. You sold you know, out for whatever and fucked, it, fucked up the project. Listen, bro, you know the one thing about being a director is you get all the glory, right? But when the shit goes wrong, yo, you taking the whole fault. No it all goes on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's never the writer. It's never anybody. It's me. So I look at him like, yo, did I get this right? Did I get these characters right? And he'll tell you, like, but I don't have to do this, by the way, but I, I did for him. Is He was watching edits in three days flat. He was watching dailies. Like, I was sending him footage. Like, yo, check this out. Check yeah. this out. Here's my idea for this. Here's my idea for that. And I would let him chime in. You got any editing notes? Like, talk to me. Let me know. Because, you know, this is your world. How do you see it in your head? Let's, let's work together. So we can make the right movie. You know, because yeah. there is no ego. And it's not like it is in hip-hop or music where I can go in my fucking closet, hit record, and make a whole goddamn album. No, there's a whole squad of people that I need to make this work to do it right. properly. So, but the writers gotta, are not part of that process. So there's a no, there's no, like no. a certain like generosity there, you know, and I'm and I'm very aware of it, and and I appreciate it because I, you know, again, I don't have to be, you know, usually I wouldn't be backstage, checking out the nuts and bolts and how everything works, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I'm appreciative of that, man, and that's those are jewels that I'm gonna keep, you know what I'm saying? Moving on, yeah. right? No, and I probably wouldn't do it with a lot of different writers. I look at Dre almost like a partner. And what I'm doing, and and I like Dre. I'll tell you, I'll, I'm a great like first draft guy. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'll come up with an ill first draft, right? But it needs work. But there's a beginning, middle, and end, and the story's fucking awesome. You know, mm-hmm. and the, the, the idea, the concept is great. But then the first thing I do is like, yo, you want to call right? And I'll just call him. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't have to bring him in everything I'm doing, but I'm like, I want to. Like, yo, you mm-hmm. want to call right? I don't know where this is gonna go, but it might go somewhere. So why don't you get some points on it, make some money, let's go, boom, get on this, and I let him write on it. If he right. wants to, if he doesn't, I'll take no offense. You know, then right. I just make, I annoy him to read it, to give me his notes, and then I'll, I'll adapt my notes. But for the most part, I offer him a piece of everything I write. You know, awesome. So, so yeah, you guys found the synergy for sure. Like, it's very obvious the way you guys are talking. You know, like you obviously trust each other very much. So I think it shows in the work too, man. Um, definitely, this this was an amazing job by Ivan and by Catalina. But you know, you could see the depth behind the performances as well and what you guys did for sure. Yeah, uh, no. if there's one thing I, if there's one thing I can say real quick is that the film is called Softism. If anybody wants to Google it, because we've been talking so much about it, <laughs> spell that man because nobody knows how to spell that shit. Yeah, it's S O P H I S M Softism. You can go on YouTube and Google Softism short film, and you'll see a picture of Catalina in a pink, beautiful dress with some uh, film festival laurels on it. That's the one Softism short film. If you need another place to check it, GarciasVision.com. I just want to say that because we've been talking about this whole short and I realized we haven't even said the title of it. So. Shout out to Uprocks too, man. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah, 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 no, I did. I said I said uh, sophism. 
And um, I know you guys got into a few festivals and like, how has this virus affected the festivals? Like, I know there was one happening in March here in Miami, right? That you guys were in? Yeah, that one's moved to May. That's uh, Filmgate that we got oh. in. Um, we were in uh, the East Los Angeles Film Festival. Um, we got into the Miami Short Film Festival. And then we got into um, LA, another one in LA. It was oh, I forgot what it was. Uh, was it LA Short? Los Angeles Short Film Festival or some shit. Laugh or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, the Los Angeles Film Festival. Yeah, they, they all got deaded. Um, wow. Except for Filmgate, which keeps rescheduling, which I'm glad because Filmgate's a monthly thing. And shout out to them because they really support the Miami film community. Um, so they're intending on making that happen. It's just we have to come out of quarantine. So um but yeah we were in four festivals and we were we had submitted we had submitted to 10 initially uh the first five that responded we got into four wow. so and when i tell you that that's an astronomical average to mm -hmm. have your film yeah. submitted short for, for festivals like i was really really excited and then it kind of all went away you know, that's but, why I, I that's why i wanted to bring it up though because i know how difficult it is to be accepted it's not for those that uh people that are listening that don't know you know it's not just hey you you have a short film you're in you know you have to submit your your work and it has to be reviewed and i'm sure they get a ton of submissions and then they have to choose the best ones and to get accepted is i mean already an honor so you know definitely it sucks you guys didn't get to go but obviously you, you guys are sitting on something great you know, as soon as like we come from quarantine and get back in the movie theaters, maybe we could have a screening or do something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that, man. And mm -hmm. that's what we were so excited about Filmgate because that was in Miami. So we we're going to bring all our people out. But, you know, we'll, this too shall pass and we'll get into more. I was just I was just super hype. I was calling Dre like every other week or every other. Like it was, the first was like every three days because they were just starting to land. I was like, yo, we got this one, got this one, got this one, got this one, got this one. And then the next ones we're going to start hitting actually now in April right. uh, that we were get our reviews back and it's like you know i don't think we're getting the reviews back at this point <laughs> so, but, yeah yeah. yeah but no one is i mean it's just unfortunate the, the virus you know yeah but you know what we do encourage people to watch it online though it is online uh mm -hmm. it's on, what's what's the link again it's uh well, you, you can go to garciasvision.com that's my yeah. website and there's a film tab you'll see one that says music videos which is all my music video work and there's one that says films go there and you can watch sophism you could just go to YouTube and type in Sophism short film, um, and you'll find it. Uh, Uproxx has it as well. They they were the first people to post it, so shout out to Uproxx.com um, for believing in our our work and actually posting it up on a very large blog that they didn't have to do that, but they did. Um, so that that's where it's at right now. You can go online and stream it, watch it. You know, I I've been thinking of just putting it out on uh, Instagram Live or whatever it's called, the Instagram. IG TV or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I want to. Um, I think what I'd the rather... hell? What is sophism? How about that? It's basically a deceitful argument. It's a lie. Okay. It's to lie, basically. And is it pronounced sophism or sophism? Sophism. All right. Yeah. That's a better answer. I was about to say it's a short film. <laughs> GarciasVision.com. <laughs> what is sophism? Yeah, I thought we discussed it. It's a short film. <laughs> Have you been paying attention this whole time? We're worried. Like, sure, man. How high are you, bro? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> it's just a fancy yeah. for lying. I was like, oh, let me think of something fancy here. You know? Yeah. 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 Another deep. It ain't too deep. <laughs> when is the next project? 
That's my question. And how can I audition? Uh, we're you cooking. Act, son? Yeah, I'm ready to act. Oh, how about put some double on this boy? <laughs> All right. Here's scared. Okay. Here's surprised. Here's shocked. <laughs> what kind of look? What about, what about happy? <laughs> what about happy? Do happy. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> You got the part, uh, but yes, I made it. Yo, straight up, like honestly, we need to do that and just write him in like one little bit. Like maybe somebody's walking by and getting robbed and watching. <gasps> just a quick cut. I, I can make it work, Cam. Dude, <laughs> that's my thing. We gotta have him picking up dog shit. <laughs> no, I, I refuse to pick it up, and then somebody calls me out now. I'm like, <gasps> there you go. There you go. You just wrote it, though. You're the writer too, son. That's me my whole career. I just do that. In films. Uh, but not yet. Yeah, to answer your question, yeah, we're cooking, man. I, I'm I'm pitching like three features at the same time right now. Uh, it's one that I wrote, one that me and Dre wrote together. Uh, two features at the same time, actually. Um, and Dre, I'm sure, is working on another short and for me to do. And I want to do a short every year. Uh, and if Dre has a feature that he wants to pitch, he just has to give it to me and I'll start pitching. I'm, I'm trying to slap together a trying to come in full force dog and i'm talking to a bunch of people right now and th th this has been a gift and a curse because the quarantine everybody has time to read your shit so right. people who have read it are like yo this is dope bad thing about quarantine is like now give us six eight months to figure this shit out <laughs> what's that thing? like cool right. great yeah, yeah no one's trying to make any moves right now it's all about setup right now it's about setting up your pieces so that when things start going again everything's already in place you know and it's a good time to like better yourself too, you know, mm -hmm. work out more, start writing more, you know what I mean? Work on projects, learn new skills and shit. I know it's like kind of mm -hmm. cliche to say, you know, even like relax a little for some yeah. people. People maybe just need to chill. Like I, I spoke to Dash's Clay a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago. That dude never jumps on the phone and calls people. You know what I mean? He called me. I was like, yo, what's up, man? I'm like, damn, what's up, homie? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm like, what you been doing? He's like, bro, absolutely nothing. And, you know, no one can accuse Dash's Clay of being lazy. That dude is everywhere. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. the fact that, like, he called me and it was a positive thing that he was just, like, doing nothing. He's like, yo, I'm catching up on movies. He wanted, like, movie suggestions and shit. Mm -hmm. Catching up on some movies. What should I watch? Whatever. And so, like, you know, that's a positive use of your time, too. If Sometimes you need to just take a fucking break, man. For sure. You know, I have a, Dash, I have a Dash's Clay story. So, like, the night before quarantine was, like, announced in Miami, right? Like, like shit was getting real. People were really fucking scared, right? And everybody was, like, buying toilet paper. And it was going bonkers and shit. You know, everything was going crazy. I went to Walmart here and, and by my house. I was gave away my location. But I went to Walmart by my house at, like, 1 in the morning, champ. And I'm walking out. You know, and I just bought, like, shit for the crib, you know, all the stuff. And I see Dash's clay. And at that point, Walmart had already had like the, the hand sanitizer when you walk in, you know, you're cleaning your hands or whatever. And he's like, yo, what's up? Boom, boom. Yo, what's up, nigga? I'm mad about you. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, damn, cuz like in quarantine, really? Like right now, like this is what we're doing. He's like, Oh, come on. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, bro. He goes, I ain't got no he goes, I don't have the coronavirus, but he said it mad loud at Walmart. I was like, all right, man, I'll see you later, bro. <laughs> I love that dude. Okay. But yeah, he just walked out like, "Yo, G, what's good?" I've known him for a long time, but you know, it's like it was—it was, it was okay. just random. It I took a part, minute. I have a part written for Dashes, man. Yeah, young I have a I have, young I have a too. Part? Oh, yeah, young Sir. Yeah, I have a, I have a part for him in uh, another short that I'm thinking about doing too. 
So I don't want to give it away yet. But you actually read it's in my script though. It's the dinner scene. Okay. If I, okay. If I made that into a story. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Uh, uh, Renee's like cool. Yeah, cool guys. I'm like, yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> should, I, should I show myself out? I feel like I'm watching this episode, like as it's happening. <laughs> it's funny because I've been looking at Shia. I look over to Renee. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I know he's still there because he's moving, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> but no, nah, man, like, try to be positive. I've I've tried to be uh positive about this shit, man. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's some crazy shit happening, but I really am, you know, trying to look at it from a positive mindset. A lot of good things are happening. The earth is getting a break. You know, we're getting a chance to fucking work. Am I boring you, man? Am I fucking boring no. you? So. <laughs> Sorry. My apologies. Battle. 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 Really rude thing to do. My Yo, apologies. I'm, I'm going to hit you with like two of those bars right now. You know what I mean? It's been a really long day. So nah. I'm sorry. I'm fucking with you, man. I'm fucking with you. Yeah, man. But use this time to, to better yourself, you know, or just do whatever it is that you wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Facts. Yeah, no, facts, bro. I mean, I, I'm a big science guy. So, like, the fact that pollution is going away, I'm like, don't. You know, not, science I'm is working. bad. I don't look back shit about science. I'm big on the environment. I'm not worried about science. I'm a big environment guy. So, it's like, whatever's better for the environment, I'm cool with to a point. I just feel bad, like my wife's birthday's in a week and she can't go see her parents. You know, uh, my birthday's in June. I might not see my mom on my birthday. So those are things that, that make it tough, but you try to keep it positive, you know, cook at the house, do things creatively, and, you know, shit'll go fine. You know? yeah. Have you been watching anything? Me? Yeah, I actually uh, started The Outsider on HBO yesterday. Okay. Mm. That's the Stephen King? Yeah. How's that? Yeah, slow start. Slow start. I'm on episode seven. Got really good. I gotta tell you, man. I started watching uh, Dave. I don't love it, man. No, it's 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 very uh, well. Dave is dope, dude. What are you talking about? It's it's very well made. It's not that I don't love it. Like I th I thought it was good, right? But I didn't laugh at the humor. The humor yeah. didn't get me. You know, it's not like side splitting humor. You know what I mean? But it's just like it's it's points out a lot of things about like you know rap music and the kind of the stigmas that go with it and stuff like that. I think it's just kind guess, of clever. I guess I have like a different insight on it because of how do I say this? I was saying earlier, but like I work in the music industry, so like I know the deals he's making, how they really go down, and he's being super honest about it. Yeah. So like that first episode with YG and he's giving him like the ten grand and going to the studio. I, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. That yeah. you know, and then you put like yeah, I think it's cool. You know that you know Gate is like his legit real hype man in like real life. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, like he's been with Dickie from like the beginning. Yeah, so like, he, and he's super talented, man. Like Lil Dicky is is you know he's obviously a fucking star. You can see it from the beginning, you know. And this is the perfect outlet for him. I think he was working towards this, right? Like yeah. his rap rap career has kind of led up to this. And again, it's a it's a really good show. I've I've only watched the first two episodes, but just the humor. I I think I was expecting like a curb your enthusiasm, a hip hop curb your enthusiasm or something like that, you know. So I, I got to kind of like adjust my expectations a little bit i am going to keep watching it um but i don't know i think i i expected it to be something else yeah i mean I, i've heard it compared to atlanta i haven't seen atlanta um but i heard atlanta is really good the childish gambino show yeah. um i haven't seen that one i i i like dave a lot i'm watching that i'm watching the outsider um i pick like one show and i stick with it after this i'm gonna go to ozark because i really like that show i gotta see season four um, I heard season three was good. I don't know. I, I haven't seen that show yet, but somebody was talking about season it. Season three, excuse me, not season four, season three. Yeah. So, but that yeah. show, you never seen that show? 
No. Are you on Westworld yet? Am I on Westworld? Yeah. All right. So the angry uh, push off me has said no. Um, th- see, here's the problem. When everybody starts telling me some shit's dope, I just don't fuck with it. <laughs> like I gotta get You're a, a Game, Game of Thrones it. guy, though. You're a Game of Thrones guy. Yeah, you know how I got into Game of Thrones? Have I told you the story? Season five, I think, or something like that, right? Somebody made season, you watch season season three. Yeah, somebody offered me a hundred dollars if I made it mm-hmm. to season one, and I took it. He said, "If you don't watch season two after season one, I'll give you a hundred bucks." And by the end of season one, I was fucking stuck. Yeah. I was so hooked. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, what you, you want to talk about Game of Thrones. I think you're doing the. Uh, <laughs> I think you're doing it to get back at me because I refuse to watch Game of Thrones. I think you're refusing to watch Westworld. I well, see West- pretty much. Westworld had a Game of Thrones reference. Did you see that, Mike? Yes, I did see that. Did you? Yeah. No, I didn't see Westworld. Yeah, Westworld has a. They do a thing with the Game of Thrones. It's really cool, like a crossover thing. Those were the the two guys working on the on that robot were the are the writers are the creators yeah. whatever yeah. Oh, David Bianoff and uh, the two yeah. Ds. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they were in on Westworld. Mm-hmm. They were they were in the show. Oh, like, that's dope. In the show, yeah. Now yeah I want to yeah. watch it. Now I gotta watch it because I fuck with those guys. I knew that would get you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> fucking Game of Thrones and fans. Like, you know, Westworld is like a, about robots and shit, right? Yeah. So so no, I, I saw I saw the first season. I'm not gonna front. The first season's dope. I just haven't continued it. Okay. Don't give away the scene, Drake, because I want him to have to watch every episode to find the scene. But it has nothing, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the story. It's just like insignificant. They're like in I the back. I know, but it's the only thing that's going to make him watch it. Do they, do, they, do they connect? Like every season connects, I have to keep watching to, or can I start season three away from season two? Uh, no. Got to watch season two. Yeah. You got to watch it twice. Westworld is yeah, the kind yeah. of show where like you got to really pay attention to every little thing that's happening too, you know. I I watch the show when it comes out on Sunday night and then I watch it again on Wednesday night to get myself like a fix before the next. I'm like fucking hooked on that show. I watch the show and then I watch like three different recaps on the episode. <laughs> I give that so, show like, a total of like 3 hours a week and shit. So 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 here's my shit. I I being that I work from home, I have a strict rule policy of like I don't watch TV till after nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. You know, so just to keep myself focused because I know myself, I'm super addictive to anything. So if I get too into like TV or if I play a Call of Duty right now, I'm actually playing video games because it's cool, you know, right mm-hmm. now. But I pick one show and I fuck with it. So like we started Outsider like two days ago. We're on episode seven already. You know, we like put it on at nine o'clock, sleep by twelve, all three hours go by. Yeah. Um so the same thing will happen with Westworld. I just gotta get through Outsider, get through Ozark, yeah. and then Westworld. Yeah, because you know, it is on my list. I'm not gonna front. I'm just busting this ball. It's on my list to watch. So. I just uh, rewatched Punisher season one, and I thought it was really good. Like that show, season one is really good. Season two sucks. I gotta give it. Another- <laughs> I remember not liking it. I gotta give it another chance. The first season's super ill. Like the first season's really good. And I'm watching this so, show on Hulu called Future Man. Have you guys seen this? No, I haven't. I've, what is that? Yeah, Future Man is fucking funny, dude. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, I don't know the actor's name, man, but he's really funny. It's a good show. Seth Rogen's on like season two and three. It's really good. Yo, did you did you actually say the Godfather is not a good movie? Um. Yeah. No, it's pretty terrible. Click. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not I'm surprised you didn't want me. <laughs> I have nothing. I, I mean, I have nothing to say. I feel like the silence spoke louder than the womp. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, he said it's pretty terrible. I went, 
That's my favorite scene in the. That's the only good scene in that movie okay. when the Godfather goes. <gasps> Let me ask you something though. Have you actually watched it? No. No. I've tried like really like twenty four times, dude. Like I just can't get past the first fifteen minutes of that okay. movie. So you can't. You can't, can't, can't get to the wedding. You can't get to the wedding. First of all, like the first time I saw it, I was in my 20s, so already the film quality doesn't look great. So I'm already turned off by that. It's not HD and shit. And then the next thing is like, yeah, it's like so slow and it's like dragging out. And I'm just like, oh, change. Next thing. Put, let me put Avatar on instead. So next time on Human Sushi, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> Bro, what are you what are you doing, man? Let me put on Minority Report. Oh, man, so That's a good me, movie. <laughs> let me put Avatar on. That's what. Oh. Okay. Listen, let me just break this down for you. Okay? Devil wears Prada. Please talk to this guy, man. Now that's a okay. Good listen, the wedding is important because the wedding introduces you to every single person in the family. Everyone. And one thing you got to go into the Godfather thinking and knowing that I'm gonna give you this one little tip. Yes, it's about the mafia, but it's really not about the mafia. It's about a family. And how a family interacts with each other, right? It just happens to be in the mob. So if you go in and you can get through the wedding and understand who everybody is, because it's a big fucking family, and it's all gonna pay off. Everything yeah, all that of it the off. wedding is going to pay off. Yeah, everything. Pays off. I f I feel like you guys say that, but then it's not going to pay off, and I would have just wasted hours of my life. What, what are you talking? Bro, it's the greatest fucking achievement in cinematic no. history. Like, because people that are into movies. Like, guys, are there explosions? Does someone jump <laughs> off a building? Okay, is there high speed chase? Is there too many times by people that are into film? They're always like, "Oh yeah, you just gotta watch the whole thing," and then blah, blah, and then I watch it, and at the end of the movie, I'm like, "What the fuck was that about?" Like, you know what movie's good? Now you say Family, The Family with uh, Robert De Niro. That was a good movie. <laughs> I hate this guy. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, have you seen, have you seen Parasite, Renee? No, I heard it's good though. But usually, yeah. I haven't seen that. I, I, I usually steer away from from very tense movies. Like I usually want to see something like happy. Do you do you mind if a movie subtitled? Does that bother you or no? No, I I like subtitles. Right. Can I ask you this? If you don't like The Godfather, what gangster movies do you like? I liked Irishman a lot. I thought that was like probably one of the best movies of 2019. Um, I haven't seen Joker though, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't top that that for me. Um, but yeah, like mobster theme movies are more like like analyze that. That's a mobster movie. That's hilarious. Analyze this and analyze that with Billy Crystal. My face is sinking as he's. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. What Robert De Niro's in that too? What do you guys have against <laughs> movies with Robert De Niro? I go fag, you die. That movie's pretty great though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I realize this is dope, but like I don't think he meant that by mobster movies. I'm just like, <laughs> like, like we go. My, okay. my cousin Vinny. Listen, that's a great movie. Watch oh, your, watch your, okay, Goodfellas. Goodfellas is a great movie. I love Goodfellas. It's not my favorite movie though, but yeah, it's good. Like just, I can, casinos. You know, he, he, he just talked about Goodfellas like it was like yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's all right. Whatever. Here's my thing. Here's my thing with casino. <laughs> I don't like Casino because of Robert De Niro's character in that movie. Like what he his character does and how he f like keeps putting up Sam with Rossi? that. Yeah, how he keeps putting up with the chick. What's her name? Um, um, yeah, but it's a true story, bro. With Britain, uh, 
Jen, with, uh, what's her name? She's Kate so uh, good. Sharon, Sharon Stone. Sharon yeah. Stone, yeah. But that's a true story, bro. Yeah, well, he was a pussy for her, and it made me like feel like he didn't have a fucking spine, so it just turned me off to the whole movie. Mike, you and I, speaking of like that, we usually agree on a lot of things. I feel like we have three big disagreements on movies. Heat, Django, Jackie Brown. Heat was great. Who doesn't like Heat? I'm not the biggest fan of Heat. Yeah, you didn't really like Heat. And then Django you loved. I didn't like. I love Django. Are we talking to me or him? You, you, Mike. You. Oh, okay. So those are like the three that I remember like off the top of my head that we disagree on the strongest because everything else I think we're pretty much on point, you know? Jackie Brown, you said? Jackie Brown, we disagree. I think it's I think it's arguably Quentin's best film. Wow. Yeah. You're so wrong, but okay. Arguably. <laughs> Argue. I'm not saying it is, but I think his, you his best make his argument. best film his best film writing wise, obviously we know what that is. Fiction. Fiction. But yeah, but his best film as a filmmaker, is Inglorious Bastards, no question. I agree. Inglorious? I agree. Inglorious. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think Jackie Brown is such a bad rap, man. Because, like, out of all his films, it's the least, it's the most subtle out of all his movies. And I think it's got one of the best casts. Fucking Michael Keaton, I mean, man. It's underrated, I think. But it's not his best film. I mean, do you like Death Proof? I didn't watch Death Proof. I do like Death Proof. I don't love I think, Death Proof. I, I think Death Proof is pretty dope. Yeah, fuck with it. I think it's dope. Yeah, Who's I'm this? the only one we. Boy, I had to let go. No, we also disagree on Hatefully. Oh, you're right. You don't like it, but you know what? You liked it the night you saw it. Yeah, and then I saw The Departed the day after and realized that it's not that great. <laughs> the Departed. Is awesome. <laughs> Where do you I mean, guys no, stand? No, sorry, not The Departed. Um. Oh my god, I'm trying to play. What is it? The, uh, the, the Revenant. The Revenant came yeah, out the same Revenant. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I saw them back to back, and I was like, hmm. "I still have your book, by the way, the 70 millimeter Rocho book. I still have it for you." We've only seen each other a million times since, but it's okay. Yeah, it's in my storage, champ. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Where do you guys stand on Clueless as a film? I. It's honestly one of my Clueless. Fucking, yeah. It, my guilty pleasure. Oh, boy's super dope. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Rolling with See, the I'm just trying to illustrate that maybe we're not so far apart. You know, like The Godfather is a very specific thing for very patient people. Like, I'm not crazy for not loving The Godfather. You guys are crazy for loving you The Godfather. Crazy. No, no, no. You're crazy for not loving The Godfather because you've never actually seen it. You guys are crazy for loving The Godfather because it's freaking three. Three-hour-long movies, <laughs> but as they say, as they say in Clueless, I'm just keeping it real. I'm keeping it real. He's shaving his head. <laughs> but the pace in The Godfather is basically the same pace as The Irishman. Like if you made it through The Irishman, you should be able to make it through The Godfather. The Godfather is superior to The Irishman. Yeah. But I honestly, the reason why I really, really love The Irishman is Joe Pesci. Like I just thought he murdered that. Like it was probably one of my favorite acting performances ever. Um, and I thought he did an amazing job. So that kept me really engaged in the movie. But for okay, example, I'll give you this much. I'll give you this much, right? Any character you have in any mobster movie cannot compare to Al Pacino's role in the Godfather. I mean, I don't know. That's a strong statement. It's, it's, it's the best transformation you've ever seen in a mob movie ever. Of how that's, a guy, true. that's true. I mean, he goes from like 
innocent boy coming home from war to ice fucking cold. Bro. Like, and it's badass the way he does it. What about Al Pacino in um, Scarface? That was a huge transformation. Mm, no. no, he was Tony Montana from the beginning, bro. Yeah. No, he was he like broken more rich. humble. No, he went from broke yeah, to rich. That's all he the the movie literally starts with a close up on his face mouthing off to the fucking immigration guys. It yeah. literally starts that way. He's yeah, totally, he, he's the same guy the whole way. The only thing that changes is he got money. I disagree. I think at some point in that movie he decides to take over. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's like and I think it's you're right. Maybe it's not as big a change as in the in the Godfather, which I haven't seen, but it is close like stuff. a gra- yeah. There's like a gradual yeah, maybe. It's not like as extreme, but he, there is a change there for him, I think. It's cool because in, in Godfather 2, the same thing happens with De Niro. Like, he starts innocent, and he gets corrupted along the way when he's playing the young Vito Corleone. Well, it I was going to say, if you, if you wanted to give one role over Pacino in The Godfather, it would be De Niro in Part 2. Right. Oh, The Godfather. But it's, <laughs> it's better than like, he gets the transformation in Part 2. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, Michael yeah. is just like settling in to, to who he is, like doing now Michael's doing what he has to do. But De Niro in part two is really the one that that has that transformation. But De Niro in part two does not have a baptism scene. Though. That baptism scene is hands down one of the greatest scenes ever filmed. Oh, amazing. amazing. I agree. But the scene where he kills. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where he kills Don Fanucci, though, with the flickering the light. No, with the flickering light. Oh yeah, yeah, that shit is. Yeah, we could talk about Godfather all day, but we we're running a hell along right now, man. So let's cut this motherfucker off, huh? Michael's about to social distance. (laughs) No, I'm saying going back out into my my living room. (laughs) (laughs) He's getting ready. He's getting ready for the revolution. Yeah. Uh, Where where can they reach you, Mike? Uh, my living room. Nah, we out here. uh, no, uh, Instagram and Twitter is at Garcia's World. That's G A R C I A. Oh shit, I forgot how to spell my last name. G A R C I A S World. All one tonight. Garcia's World. Uh, my website is garciasvision.com. Um, also, check out crazyhood.com. Shout out to Popova. Shout out to Popova's World. Shout out to Dre Torres. Shout out to you, Renee, even though your taste in film is super suspect. And what do you mean? we agreed on everything except Godfather. <laughs> What's your favorite Tarantino film? Inglorious Bastard. I was just saying that's a teaser. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's definitely Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Not a bad I'm just you. kidding. I hate that movie. Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. Inglorious really is my favorite Tarantino film, followed by Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to the point. Garcia's World, Garcia's Vision. My Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> GarciasVision.com and thanks for the Human Sushi Podcast for having me on, bro. Thank you for being here, man, during quarantine times. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, hell, it's nice to have company. What y'all doing tomorrow? You want to hang out? (laughs) Skype again. (laughs) Film another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been been having, like, Skype dates with friends and shit? Nah, my my mom, yeah, and, and, uh, you know, yesterday I called my, one of my business associates, Chris, on FaceTime. Um, Unannounced? Like, you just FaceTimed him? Yeah, yeah, I just FaceTime them. I, I FaceTime my family in LA though. Um, yo, it's weird. I have family in LA that I never used to FaceTime, and now with the quarantine, like I'm FaceTiming them and shit. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. my communication is changing a little bit. I can tell because uh, I've never been a big FaceTime guy. Um, 
I'm pretty like even if you look at my my social like media, like you really don't see much of my personal life in it other than my work. So I try to keep one level of privacy to my house at all times. And now I see myself coming out of my show, at least FaceTime communication. Hell, I try to FaceTime Charlie that he never picks up though, but I try to FaceTime him. He doesn't want to do it. It's so. an intrusion, man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean he walks around naked all day, so there's nothing I can do about it. You know what I'm <laughs> so why are you trying to FaceTime me? That's the crazy thing. <laughs> 2020, yeah, this, this... <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, man. No judgment here. Why well, not? Yeah. Uh, yeah, y'all can reach us at uh, humansushibar.com, uh, human sushi podcast on Instagram. We're not on the other social networks yet, but uh, shout out to everybody that's been watching, man. Again, I, I've said this the last few times, but like we can't thank you guys enough. Yes. Uh, for really rocking with us, you know what I mean? And we're doing our best to uh, try to pump out more content. And yeah, man, let's keep it rocking. We're all in quarantine. You ain't got shit better to do. So, you know, listen to you. I might watch The Godfather, dude. I might watch The Godfather. Yeah, you got nothing but time, bro. (laughs) I'm telling you, you're going to like it. I'm telling you, if you watch it with an open mind, there's no way you won't like it. You usually tell me when I won't like shit. You'll be like, nah, you're not going to like it. You're telling me I'm going to like it? But I feel like this quarantine is a uh, an excuse to expand a little bit. You know what I mean? So I'm not gonna right, like no, it. I'll make, make you a deal. If you sit through the whole Godfather and you don't like it, I'll give you twenty bucks on cash out. Make it a hundred and you got a deal. You won't sit yeah. through fucking Godfather for twenty bucks. <laughs> you can't pay me to watch that movie. <laughs> wow. Wow, bro. Uh, the score By the way, is this is this the longest human sushi podcast ever? An hour and forty we're bucking on right now? Oh, we've gone longer. We've gone longer for sure. This is oh, pretty okay. short. If you guys want, I can keep talking. Yo, where can they <laughs> where can they find the movie? Tell them one more what? time. Sophism. Where can they find Sophism? Tell them one more time. Uh, oh, definitely on my website, GarciasVision.com. Uh, check out the website under the films tab. You'll see sophism. When you first log on, you'll see all the music videos. There's a tab on the side that says film or a drop down menu if you're on your phone. Where you see music videos, drop down menu to say films. Go there, watch the flick. Feel free to leave a comment on YouTube. You know, like it, dislike it. Share it. I don't care. I just I just want you to watch it and give us your honest opinion, man. I'm, a, I'm looking forward to the next project for sure, dude. So I'm gonna right. work. On, I'm gonna work on Sad Face next. <laughs> Was that, did, I, did that cut it? No. All right. ah, that was pretty awesome, dude. All, All right, right, cool. All, All right, Mike. Thanks, for, thanks yeah. for being on, man. Be safe. Yo, You're thanks for coming on, buddy. All, All right, right, bro. Thanks. Peace, sushis. Stay safe, everybody. Peace. Peace.